Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. I met Dominic Morellis out there in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. If you were following us on social media, you might have seen that they were doing a full-scale exercise with Task Force 46. Colonel McKinney was out there, who's been on the show a couple of times. He was out there, and he introduced me to Dominic. And uh, just like really impressed with him. He gave a presentation. He's the director of OEM for Philadelphia. And as he was talking and sharing ideas, I just thought this guy needs to be on the show. He's uh, he's really smart. So Dominic, welcome to the show. John, thanks so much. I am uh, happy to be here. Uh, happy to be rested from the dense urban terrain exercise. I know I saw you out there quite a bit. Yes. Um, it was it was a warm week for us. So we got some <laughs> exercise realism and um, just just glad to be uh, be able to talk about it now. Yeah, it's cool because uh, so there was an article I just saw. Uh, maybe it was Military Times. It was like talking about all the wins, all the all the things that are happening when the DoD is able to integrate with localities and say like, how do we actually do this right in the homeland? And uh, to be out there and to to see that integration, you were literally out there every day in the sun. So major major kudos to you. Thank you. And then I also got to meet your staff and it was fun to see your staff embedded with the different groups so that they could see and have that, you know, situational awareness of what happens on the, on the ground level. Um, talk to us about that planning process because they were working with you for several months, right? Before you got out there. Yeah. Um, that's exactly right. We had probably, it was about nine months. So it was our, it was our baby. Um, you know, we had worked on that for about nine months from when we first got introduced first kind of set a scope, uh, watch the scope grow and grow from from where we originally kind of set our sights in a good way, um, and and then ultimately execution. And you know the the planning cycle um, was quite honestly like anything uh, that we would plan, whether it's an operation, whether it's a, a plan update to one of our emergency plans. Um, it was very collaborative. It was it was pretty frequent. You know, every Thursday morning for uh, every week we were we were meeting with those folks. Um, one of the, the members from the task force made the joke, you know, Hey, at this point I'm, I'm talking with you more than I'm talking to my own kids. Um, but it was great because number one, with an exercise of that scale, um, you know, I think we had over, over 500, uh, military personnel on the ground. We had about another hundred, 250 from, from the city, from our local hospitals, et cetera. Uh, we had uh, four unique different venues over two days, with helicopters in the sky, boats in the river, uh, you know, mm. military trucks on the road, uh, engines ladders, uh, medic units, et cetera. Um, so it was, it was, you know, complicated exercise. And so, uh, for us to be able to number one, build that relationship and number two, leave no stone unturned. So that the folks who were there to really get the training there to really kind of test their capabilities to make sure it was a good exercise for them. So, mm. you know, that, that planning style, like I said, is, is no different. Uh, we've got a big event coming up in two weeks, uh, here on our mm. Ben Franklin Parkway, which is kind of like the, the heart of our city. Um, and we do the same thing, you know, make sure it's collaborative, make sure it's frequent, make sure, um, as, as in the weeds as details can be sometimes, you know, a lot of times turning over those stones, uh, mm. brings up other, other important pieces to discuss. So it was, a uh, an involved process. Well, they, they, you certainly had a lot going on there. Um, I, I was thinking of the word that you use and it's one of my favorite words for EM is collaboration. And um, the ability to integrate and help other people do their job. When you're dealing with military, military is A type, A type personnel. They want to do, they want to go big. They want to do the things that they do. And 
in emergency management, we don't always have those resources to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, I was, I was, I had a great time out there. I was, uh, one of their, I would say secret evaluators the Colonel pulled me aside and said, Hey, can you provide us some feedback, you know, as, as you're, um, you know, walking through each of these sites and not just observe, but really start to get in the weeds. And uh, I actually had a very fun conversation with, I believe, your SIDLE, your situation unit lead, Uh-oh. your What'd you uh, learn? <laughs> EOC manager, and your operations chief. Is she mm-hmm. your operations chief? Yeah, we had three that of spot. them in, in the back. And I said, okay, tell us about, tell me who you are. And it was, uh, it was a really fun conversation. You, your SIDLE just graduated uh, from college, right? Yeah. Bright, bright kid. Um, and your ops, like everybody, I was just really impressed with the staff you had there. One of the things I noted though, that, um, was really exciting to see in emergency management and, and no disrespect to the field of emergency management. I didn't see like a group of like retirees there. I saw like a group of like people who've gotten to the field who are doing the job and, I want to say you took a risk on, but you brought these people in and, and they're great people. It shows that competency can come right out of college, right? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you highlighting that, right? And I think, you know, one side of the coin, um, I'm sure there are some listeners who've been in an EOC before and, and are like, what do you mean? You know, you you have this critical position, situation unit leader is, you know, somebody who, who graduated, what kind of experience could they have? Um, but, you know, I think uh, we are... Um, a little bit, uh, I think, different, right? I mean, I think the Big City EM is its own brand, and, and I get to participate in this really awesome group, the Big City Emergency Managers Group, 15 mm. biggest cities in the U.S. Uh, we meet with regularity. We talk about you know issues related to big cities, and um, we have a lot of similar experiences, right? We have a lot of folks who come in and are like, "I want to do life in the big city. I want to, you know, I want to hit an incident, you know, biweekly, if not weekly, if not, you know, sometimes several in a day. Mm. Um, you know, I really want to want to, you know, drink from the fire hydrant." Uh, which we really have the opportunity to provide. And so we've been uh, for a long time, this this really awesome place for folks to come in um, with a ton of energy, uh, with the structure you know that we have and kind of with the culture that we already have and has been mm-hmm. kind of passed down. And, and you know we put a lot of effort into to really mold folks into some of these positions. Um, but we do get into these situations where where we have some some early in their career folks uh, who are working with you know senior and career level, um, you know, type of type of leadership from public safety. Um, you know, I had a very similar experience when I started here. Uh, and talk about imposter syndrome. Um, I, I started here, uh, had a, a background in private sector, and I wanted to take on the world and like emergency management. So so great, all these things. And um, the director at the time gave me that opportunity. We we were um, we were right into uh, within four months of me starting right into an NSSE, uh, National Special Security Event planning process with the Secret Service for, uh, to welcome the Pope and, and the World Meetings of Families mm. Conference. And, um, you know, I was chosen to be to be a, a representative to one of the subcommittees and, you know, kind of had to quickly learn, you know, how to navigate those spaces, how to be authentic, how to, mm. um, you know, provide value uh, while still, you know, realizing that that your experience may be different um, than, than somebody else's. But, um, you know, I think the point that you raise about about the team that was there is um, the exercise for us was such a great opportunity. It was more of a training, right? Because of course we we bring people in to train. Here's your list. Take the ICS, take the IS courses. Hey, we'll get you into 
you know, the, the 300, 400, you get a little bit more hands-on. Here's your proficiency list for this position. You know, we'll mm. get you signed off. You can use the systems and, and, you know, put together an incident action plan, et cetera. But as soon as you do that with other partners who you don't know how they're going to respond, you don't know what's important to them um, in the terms of mil- working with the military, their language is different. Uh, so this was a super opportunity for us to do really a, a kind of crawl walk training alongside what was going on on the ground. And so um, while you were there, uh, we'd gotten some feedback. Hey, you know, the, the EOC was kind of quiet. And we're like, that's great. Like, that's what we wanted. We wanted our folks to be able to get that hands-on training experience in a way that wasn't going to, you know, break the system. And, you know, the other thing, too, uh, like I said, I can't tell you the last time a Blackhawk landed on the roof of one of our hell, uh, <laughs> in Center City. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, there were some logistics that, that everything went well, was really planned out, but there's some real world concerns. You know, we, it was a big public messaging push to let people know, hey, the fishing pier is going to be closed for this exercise. Mm. You don't have access to the park. So part of the EOC activation too was just to be available for real world, you know, about a severe weather or something like that. We want to make sure we were ahead of for, for such a big event. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Okay, let's jump back in. Well, I'll tell you what, despite the heat, the, you had beautiful weather. I was very happy. It was warm, though. Um, my, I was born outside of Philadelphia. My father's from Philadelphia. All right. And I went to this really cool exercise, and I felt like top of the world, you know, like seeing these black hawks that fly everywhere and doing search and rescue exercises. And my dad, the very first thing he said, did you get a cheesesteak? I was like, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a freaking cheesesteak, dad. He's like, how many did you get? I said, I actually got two and I got a hoagie. And he's like, Oh, I'm so happy. So yeah. all the way around is a, is a great event, but, but going back to <laughs> your staff, you know, I've been, I've been looking at other industries and comparing emergency management and saying, okay, like what do we do? Well, where's our gaps here? And uh, again, no disrespect to the field where, uh, you know, the average age of emergency managers for the last 30 years has been probably 50, maybe 40 if you're really lucky. Um, but it's changing and that dynamic is changing. And so now you have two totally different perspectives. And um, it's it's fun because I feel like I'm kind of caught in between the, the two of them. Mm. And hopefully I'm getting older. And, you know, and as I as I work with the younger generation, but as I talk to different industries, um, I have a friend of mine who's like, oh, man, this is going to be really hard for me in tech now. I said, why? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm 35. And I said, that's not very old. And he goes, no, but most of tech it does is 18 to 24 now. And, wow. um, and just like he's understanding like this like, dynamic of things are changing so fast that people coming right out of high school, right out of college have access to technologies that uh, we don't always have. And so SIDL kind of falls in line with that a little bit, you know, because they're dealing with 
hopefully technologies to enhance, you know, situation and, and to understand cascading impacts. I wonder if the field in that specific position will become younger and younger as they're able to, to understand that. But other positions, I mean, you do really do need to be able to have that, that leadership experience so that when something does go boom, you don't scream with everybody else. You just kind of observe and, and can make the choices. But it, again, it's a, it's a really fascinating uh, to, to see that. It's pretty exciting. And to hear your own story, you told me a little bit about your story, actually, and yeah. growing up through the ranks before. And so it's it's fun to hear like how that happened and um, some of the nuances. So as part of the show, we focus on leadership mm -hmm. and you're a great leader in your own right. Thank you. Yeah, of course. As you're as you're walking through some of those past experiences, you said you had to learn how to operate in those different spaces and uh, even communicate, I'm sure. Uh, what would be some of your advice to those emergency managers getting out of college or maybe even your own staff of like, hey, this is how I would do it or this is some of the things I would look at? Uh, that's that's a really broad area. You know, I think- um, <laughs> Here's I, everything, here's some yeah. advice, yeah. Well, like, right, like, I mean, I think there's a flavor of this question where it's, um, you know, what's your advice to somebody about how to get in or how to be successful? You know, I think there's, another flavor of advice where, okay, now you're in, but you feel like, hey, my ideas aren't getting traction or, hey, you mm. know, we work in government and, and government moves at a certain pace. You know, what, what's, what's the deal there? Um, and, and, you know, I've had a lot of different experiences, I think, to kind of address both. Mm. Um, you know, I think um, what I've really appreciated about, so I've been very fortunate. I've been with the city's Office of Emergency Management. Uh, it'll be eight years in about six weeks. Um, so I've been here for a bit of time. I've gotten to see two NSSEs. Uh, I've gotten to see uh, several presidential declarations. And then Philly is just a big special event city. So plenty of spe special events. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, some some pretty tragic headline things, uh, you know, as recent as, as this year. And so um, I've really had the opportunity to come in and work at our watch desk, right? Like our, you know, if you can consider it an entry level position, at least entry level in the office, you know, one of our most junior office or, or junior opportunities um, had the opportunity to come in and learn that, do that, and uh, see the world from that perspective. And then given the opportunity to uh, manage our logistics program and understand what that side and what more of the planning side, less of kind of the day-to-day -day operations side, but more of the planning side looked like, um, and just how resource decisions are made. You know, not just in an incident, but but in general. You know, how um, you know did we get that new widget or you know. Yeah, we know this equipment's you know at a certain stage and needs you know needs its its um, replacement. But then there's also these other considerations, and and we do work in a world of finite resources, and so um, you know I think my my advice from that experience is just always take a pause and and look for that other perspective. I mean, you will find in any job, in, in anything other than when you can control all of the things around you and all the people around you, you will find something, you know, that kind of just rubs, right? Mm. Um, and I think emergency management, just the giant magnifying glass on top of that to just focus that light, especially when uh, the subject matters that we talk about, you know, the things that we plan for are, are um, not great things at times. It's funny, like when we go out to lunch and we get going about a topic, we go, hey, like we need to, we need to tone this down a little bit. We're, we're mm. a mixed company and, you know, maybe folks don't think about these yeah. things that we do. Um, so there's that side where the subject matter is challenging, but then also just when, when the light switch is turned on, it's, it's, you know, performance time. 
for an incident, um, it's it's an even bigger magnifying glass. And so one of the things that I always try and try and coach and really try to, um, you know, about my leadership style is try and give folks where there's a place and time some quick perspective. Hey, look, everything you're saying is valid. Hey, look, yes, that is a priority right now. But I need you to place that in the priority of all these other things. And, and let's, um, you know, really talk about like, what can we do with the amount of resources too? And I'll say that's the other big thing that I've learned. And it seems like it's speeding up, which is scaring me is can't do everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, um, I always pride myself on, on my, my job before coming to, to EM, like working a 16 hour day, uh, backed up to a 16 hour day, backed up to an overnight, like that was no problem. Like it bounced right back. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, I'm not, uh, that old, but I feel it now, you know, after the yeah. time, like, Holy smokes, like I'm number one, I'm not doing this all the time. And so I think that's the other piece of advice too, is, is, um, always, always kind of trying to, to prioritize the ambitions or prioritize kind of, um, you know, where you're, where you're putting your effort into, because our field is so big and an incident, there's so much to do. And it's, it is drinking from a water, um, from a fire hydrant. And, and, you know, you have to really consciously realize that and be intentional about your decision-makings in some of those moments to, um, really be effective, but also to take care of yourself in the process. How do you decipher between urgent and high priority? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it's the typical, like life safety is always number one. Right. And then, and then, you know, preservation of property, incident stabilization, like that's, that's the easy button for a lot of these things. Um, I will say, I don't have a rubric that is just like, this is the way we follow it every single time. And, you know, that was one of my frustrations um, during our response to the COVID-19 pandemic, especially when we were in the PPE business and, and PPE resources were limited. And it's like, wow, all of these things are credible. Where's the rubric? Like, why, why can't we just run down and say, okay, you're this type of facility and, and, you know, this is the situation you're in. So this is how much you're going to get or how frequently you're going to get. Um, it, it really takes, uh, the ability to keep a big picture, but also the ability to keep your ears and your mind open. You will have to make a decision and sometimes very quickly, um, but but you need to make sure you take in all of that data before jumping. Um, you know, I was listening to your your podcast the other day and, and um, you threw in an inject into your exercise. This is kind of, uh, this is kind of you know, um, a gotcha moment, it seemed like. You threw in an inject, something like, oh, the, the neighbor came running down the street and they can't get their mail. They need to get their mail. They need to get their mail. But like, look at everything that's on the, the to-do list right now. Like, is that a priority? Is that even a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so like, if you're in a position where, Hey, your job is to deal with the neighbors and that's the only neighbor that comes to you all day. Like, yes, that is your priority. That is your world. But yeah. you know, you got to be then receptive to then whoever you're trying to work with to understand, okay, now how does my priority fit into that? And that's where it's always kind of been. Um, that's where I find the fun to be honest. It's a, it's a big jigsaw puzzle and it's constantly changing. And it, it really only relies on that collaboration and communication. I mean, those, those buzzwords, I'll never get sick of them in this job because that's it, right? That's the, that's the simple process. I don't know, man. I, I have this, I have this like dream. It's like, uh, I don't want to become, I'm not as cool as Martin Luther King, but I do have a dream. And that dream is to not have to see communications on an after action. <laughs> if I, if that happens and I, I know that we finally have started to, gone from rudimentary to like deeper because like if the job is coordination and communication then we should be excellent at it and and yet we find we find ourselves saying okay i could have done that better i could have done that better my my 
my rubric versus urgent versus high priority. Um, I think I, I think you're on the right path when you say it's life life saving, life sustaining work. Um, I've gotten to the the point where I think what is the cascading impact of X, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, the real world demands that this immediate need, even for life saving, if the cascading impact is worse for more people and more systems, then I have to prioritize. Like what's the, like I look at degrees of impact Yeah. and, um, when, when the cascading impacts are fewer then you can do more of the, I hate to say smaller projects, but more of the immediate, like right in your face. But even now in small business, I, I, I love when you said it's like a mic drop moment when you said like, think like your ability to think is always your first line of defense. And if you're just running and gunning and you, you can't think, then you're not an emergency manager. Yeah, you have to be able to process. But sometimes when the world feels like it's coming down, it, it's very difficult to feel like you are breathing. Um, or at least, you, you know, you have time to breathe. So it's really interesting to think about it in, in, in those uh, in those respects. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's something that um, there's never a clear black and white. That was the right decision. That was the wrong decision. I mean, sometimes you get very clear, like, oh, that was the wrong decision, but it's, it's you know, <laughs> hopefully those are few and far between. Yeah, hopefully they are. Um, and, and, you know, usually you'll have a couple folks involved in those type of situations in those conversations. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you know, you just got to understand that, um, you just got to go forward and, and do it, you know, like you said, think about it. And that's, you know, to your point, it's, it's the big picture. Um, and you know, what's interesting about, uh, kind of the, the systems, the org charts that we build around these incidents is number one, they're big, right? I mean, if you've ever seen a fully drawn out, especially unified, um, you know, whether it's ICS or whether it's some sort of hybrid, you know, org chart of, of who all is involved in something, there are positions that need to be nose on the technical problem and need to be, I am so laser focused on is it this type of hazardous material or is it that type of hazardous material? Mm -hmm. But they're not operating in a silo, right? So what is so important in their world is to totally valid. But then when that branches out or, you know, branches up to whatever that next level is and branches up to whatever that next level is and ultimately branches up to the incident command structure, you know, whether it's unified, whether it's a you know single commander, um, that's where you got to rely on the system sometimes. And, you know, it can be very frustrating, especially I've, I've, been in it. And even today, you know, I feel that role sometimes. I, you know, with, with my boss, with working with the mayor, I don't always have the full picture. And yeah, mm -hmm. this is so critically important to me. But then once I get to see that next page, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? I can, I can keep a bandaid. I can keep pressure on this for a while. That needs to be solved because if that happens or, you know, we don't prioritize whatever that other thing is, it, to your point, makes my thing so much worse. So yeah, again, it, it comes down to, to kind of perspective and, and, having the humility to take a pause and, and be open to, you know, others, others input. The, the, the problem with emergency managers, so many of us are a type mm -hmm. humility um, feels like humiliation. It's totally two different things. Yeah. And um, so here's the, here's the real world. That's me personally. That is, that I think is applicable to uh, emergency management as a whole my my wife 
is alive. So I should preface that with this story. And my son's alive. But there was an emergency C-section. There's like emergency C-sections. And then there's what happened to my wife. And the hospital was like, we haven't seen this in 17 years. It had wow. two minutes to save both lives. And they rushed her into the OR. He wasn't breathing. She wasn't breathing. It was a big deal. Scariest day of my life. I've dealt with like catastrophic hurricanes. That was the scariest day of my life. Active yeah. shooters, that was the scariest day of my life. But there was these two techs out there, and they were like laughing and joking of like how busy their night was. Yeah. And I'm like literally praying. And all I said was, I don't have the time to tell you why you're stupid. Just please be quiet. And uh, that was an awkward moment. But yeah. uh, I just needed to, to be laser focused. And I, I feel like sometimes, and I, I'm, I'm the same way, and I've had to like really curb how I do this. Like when I think something's a priority, it's very difficult for me to say, I still think that's a priority. And and to your to your point and to your credit, you don't always get the bigger picture. And people, it is not their responsibility always to explain it to you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to step back and say, okay, this other role, that's their role, to so think strategically, even more strategically. So it's a but I will say it's a tough balance. Those two texts did shut up. And when both were okay, they cried with me. It was a very, again, awkward moment, but we were all very happy in that moment. But um, John, very, I'm very happy to hear about the happy outcome. Um, yes, but, me too. Yeah. But, yeah I you know, when, when you were telling that story, I was thinking, okay, well, what if my wife and I were in the room next door and she's going into labor and it's, it's a normal labor, right? Yeah. Um, but it's our first child. And why, why haven't they taken us back? We've been here 10 minutes. We've been here 10 minutes. You're jumping up and down and you don't realize, mm -hmm. you know, God forbid someone's next door going through something so much worse. And that's where, you know, yeah. again, you don't, you don't always get that explanation. Uh, but what's really interesting um, and, and kind of going back to one of your first observations, what's really interesting is more and more of our teams now expect or, or need, I'm not sure which one it is that access. Right. And, and I know we've only got a, a limited time here and I don't have this thought fully thought out, but like, is this, um, is it our like constant or instant gratification culture? Like, hey, you can order something, you know exactly where it's at, where mm -hmm. when it's going to be, and then hey, it's there when you want it. Um, is it you know the the ability to just nonstop consume uh, information and different perspectives, uh, whether it's traditional media or social media? Um, but but uh, we found ourselves a lot of times, and not just with our team, but with with stakeholders, uh, really having to just like describe how we got to this point and like re-describe how we got to this point. And you said, you know, you hope communications will never be, you know, an after action, but think about the amount of times people change, you know, midstream and well, you're almost at square one, right? You, you can't mm. assume that this person has everything, you know, is up to speed as the person who just changed out. And, um, you know, that's, that's what's been uh, pretty interesting to try and navigate. Um, not just in an incident standpoint, but just in a day-to-day, -day, you know, working in an organization and, and trying to keep everybody, um, you know, on task. And and I think it's important, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we all need to feel bought into the mission and how we feel bought in and how quickly we feel bought in is a, is a personal individual thing. So of all the EM training I've ever done, I've only seen one exercise and to the credit of my staff, they're the ones who put it together the inject of handoffs. Mm, yeah. Uh, you will have to hand off this information and that's part of the exercise. And the inject is 
do you keep that same information? Did you have enough information? Did they not provide it? Well, too bad because that team just left. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. To, to, again, to your point earlier, 16 hours exhausted. They have to sleep. You don't just, uh, you, you have to do something. And then you, then you, when you come back to the job, now you're dealing with the repercussion of whatever. Oh, they didn't keep the same plan or they did different things. And that is, um, definitely a, a, an inject we have to deal with. But I, I Man, I wish we could talk about this information and consuming information probably for an hour. But I'm a GIS guy. I like GIS. I like analytics. And I like receiving that information. And uh, I, I have that same... I always want to know. But I, I also think that, to be honest, there's a lot of things that people like... Every, they say every disaster is different. Mm -hmm. And I get it. There's different people involved in different scenarios. But... I actually know what a flood's going to do. It's going to go to the lowest area and fill up. I know what a power outage is going to cause. I know that if I'm fighting a wildfire on that side of that mountain, three months later, it's going to be a mudslide. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think we need to get to the point where instead of craving information always, which is uh, important in, in its own right, is to be able to think and trust yourself enough to, to say, I know what I need to know and I will find out more later. Like if that makes any sense. I, it, I it does. Um, I would just caution and I know you know this, but for, for anybody who's listening, just caution, you know, don't close yourself off though. Right. Because mm. um, there's, there's always the, the one factor, right. Um, you know, to your point about flooding, well, Hey, you know, we just had like, Philadelphia, our, our number one hazard, like a lot of folks on the East Coast, is is flooding, right? So we see a lot of different types of it, and, and unfortunately, sometimes in some repetitive spots. And um, I, that's surprising to me because I thought your number one hazard was the Eagles. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> luckily, I'm a, a newly recent Eagles fan. Oh. <laughs> a lot of my family's on the West Coast, so that was a hard transition. But that's funny. Um, you might get another staffer here who would spend the rest of the podcast going around. <laughs> but um, um. You know, there, there's always something that changes. Again, the, the player changes, the, the resource changes. I mean, um, I'll take us here managing special events and uh, doing special events in the city of Philadelphia. We have a really good template, a really collaborative template. We have a centralized office and then, you know, all of our different units. Um, the city has a centralized office, OEM, fire police, you know, uh, public works. We all plug into that in, in specific ways. We had a great template before the pandemic, and then we didn't do any events in 2020. And we brought events back on in 21, and we're starting things back up. And we're realizing like 50% or more of the people around the table aren't the same players, right? And they have different opinions about these things, or um, they didn't read the plan before they came to before they came yes. to the planning meeting. Um, or the other thing too is is just resources change even in that short amount of time. I mean. We unfortunately in the city uh, went through uh, some layoffs because of the the financial situation, you know, as a result of the pandemic. And there are now teams that that used to be involved in certain aspects of of execution for these events that that aren't there anymore. And so, you know, that's where I think you're right, right? Like we do need templates to be quick, and we do need, um, you know, we do need to have a plan like walking in, and you need to run that plan until it's met with a, a stop sign or a yield sign, and then mm -hmm. that's when you need to go. Wait a second. This is telling me something like what's different here and what might I need to course correct? You might not need to course correct, but you need to ask yourself that. You need to get your your advisors involved too. 
and and at least talk about it before you you know keep going down the path. At least that's my perspective. I, uh, I well, I will I will agree with that so much so that typically I compare a lot of business to emergency management. There's a lot of overlap, but there's one that's exactly opposite. We say. A lack of planning on your part doesn't create an emergency on mine. We say that in business. It's exactly true in emergency management. A lack of planning on your part creates an emergency on mine. Yeah. And um, it, things change, right? That's why. That's why it's not just black and white. Like every disaster is different for those nuances. Teams change, people's change, experience change. People are going through personal things, even if it is yeah. the same people. That's real. Um, but. Uh, I think we both agree that that emergency managers, we need to get better at thinking strategically. Yeah. And even though we're the hub, recognizing there's other priorities out there. Um, anyways, I, it sounds like you and I think a lot of the same things and, and uh, even better yet to hear from your, your personal experiences and your background. Going full circle here to that Philadelphia training or that exercise uh, there was there was no wonder why, why Cr Colonel Chris McKinney noted you specifically out of the other emergency managers in the area and said, I like this guy. Oh, and um, I, I like you, too. I, I, and I, I hope really good things happen. And it sounds like you're taking the right kind of risk with the right kind of people. You're you're integrating. You're able to be humble, not be humiliated. Um, just a really good leadership lessons uh, from a guy who's doing it right. So thanks again so much for coming on the show. Yeah, John, I appreciate that, those kind words. And, you know, I think the one thing um, that this exercise has affirmed for me, and, and it didn't need affirmed because we've gotten to meet so many wonderful service members uh, throughout the vaccination effort, throughout alternate care facilities uh, and some other events we've had over the last years. Um, but, you know, this is a little bit of a plug for, for public safety and public service in general. Um, there are so many great people in those jobs and, you know, they, they wouldn't have service in them if, if that wasn't an element of it. So it's not always for everybody. And, and, you know, uh, there's a time and a place where you're able to serve more or, or you know, other priorities are in your life. Um, but these types of opportunities are, are so incredible to, to see those type of folks, uh, to celebrate those type of folks, to realize uh, you know, they're away from their families for that training week and they were away from their families the week before that. Right. But they're here because they're bought into the mission and they answered the call, uh, whether they're their local public safety, you know, first responders or whether they're the military members. Um, and my plug is, you know, for any listeners who, who are out there and are, you know, wondering the state of the world, you know, public safety right now, public service, there's there's still a lot of good people. There's still a lot of benefit to that type of stuff. Um, and life in a big city is, is awesome. You will, you will get a ton of experience. So, um, check out our jobs if, uh, if you're looking. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, um, if I wasn't running Doberman, I'd probably be like, you know, I'd love to work with that guy. Yeah. Uh, I'll also give you one final endorsement. If you do have jobs open and if you're an emergency manager looking for a job and, uh, you want to work for a great leader who will train you the right way to get, provide that mentorship. Uh, you know, Dominic, man, wow. Uh, talking about doing things right for the right reason. And I agree so much on the service members. I work a lot with, I work a lot with the DOD and with NATO, our allies and um, people who really care, who want to do it right, Absolutely. who sacrifice a lot. So great call outs um, there at the end here. 
Okay, everybody, here's going to be my shameless plug as we do every episode. If you like this episode, you got to give us that five-star rating and subscribe. We sometimes, oh, I think we have it oh, right there. Subscribe button down at the bottom. bottom. So make sure that uh, you do that. If you got something out of this episode or you have additional thoughts, we, we started going into information sharing and, and the, the uh, desire to consume information. If you have thoughts on that, we would love to see that in our social media posts for Disaster Tough Podcast on any of the platforms you look at. Of course, we'll be tagging a Philadelphia OEM and all that, and so Dominic will be able to see it. If you have a question that you would like to ask Dominic specifically that's outside of the public realm, I'm sure public would be much better so we can all communicate. But if you have a specific question for him, please reach out to us at contact at the readiness lab.com. And if you have a question about a job at Philadelphia, they can reach out at philadelphia.gov uh, forward slash OEM. Philadelphia.gov. You know, it's way cool saying Phila. You know, it's not cool. I live in St. Louis. Somebody thought it'd be a good idea. This is a super side bar right at the very end here. I'm here with you. They wrote a shirt called The Lou. Okay. And I was like, I don't want a shirt that says, I'm proud to be in the Lou. I don't know. Uh, okay, fill a dot, whatever. We'll put it also in our show notes so that uh, if you need to look it up, uh, we'll put it there. Um, and we will see you for the next one. Thanks. Thanks.